Hello. Hello. Hello, Dave, and welcome to Sustainababble 5. Sustainababble 5, still not dead. This is your <laughs> weekly podcast looking at the environment and politics and all the stuff that goes on and why everything is so complicated and confusing and can't we all just get along? Exactly. How are you and where are you? Uh, I'm all right. We're recording this on Valentine's Day and I'm literally drowning in presents from admirers. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the postman um, is is coming here later. I'd imagine. I mean, he's not come yet, but no, probably because no, so no. much is in his little sack of love. Yeah, well, our postman's been, but he'll come back again, won't he? Because there's so much. Um, <laughs> so I'm in North Somerset, People's Republic in North Somerset, uh, where it is grey and cold, which is what it's been for months. I am in Loughborough Junction, where it is sunny and perfect as always. Of course it is. Um, so we uh, we both work for environmental charities, as you probably know by now, but this podcast is ours and ours only. The opinions expressed herein are witterings from a pair of idiots and nothing to do with the opinions of anyone else. So any problems, take it up with us. Exactly. All right, shall we crack on with the show? Let's do it. Sustainable of the week. Sustainable of the week. Every week we have a little look at some of the most egregious eco-guff out there. Usually a press release or a speech from someone in the government, but not always. And uh, Dave, what have we got this week? Well, this one is about buses. You know, mm. you like buses, don't you? I love buses. Yeah, I do. Buses yeah, I, are great. I hate buses. I hate oh. them. I hate Why? them. They're, they're stinky and they're expensive and they're late and you're treated like some sort of surf for even deigning to get one. Or at least that how it, that's how it is for me here in the semi-countryside where I live. It's different where you live, isn't it, buses? It, well, it is, yeah. And I think that's, um, that's something we could draw out, isn't it? Because buses in London are, by and large, brilliant. Apart from the, you know, the slightly irritating... Um, occasions when you have a teenager playing Justin Bieber through the speaker of their mobile phone incredibly loud although apparently right next to their ear but in general no they're great they get they're, they, there are loads of them they take you where you want to go they're they're relatively affordable but getting less so so you're yeah so you like buses so you'd probably agree with uh, Baroness Kramer who's a transport minister as you probably know who gave a speech this week to the uh, to the bus industry at the Transport Times UK bus summit and she you gets know, all the good gigs she, oh well she judging by this <laughs> by the sound of what she said she thinks the bus industry is brilliant what did she say? Well, so she said that 88% of people uh, say that they are happy with their bus service. So, you know, the bus industry is doing something right. Brilliant. And she said that, you know, if uh, if people weren't happy with their buses, bus services, then they wouldn't use the bus, would they? That's such nonsense. That is such nonsense. Yeah. Oh, you're using the bus that you have to use, yeah. therefore you must like it, because if you didn't like it, you'd just sit at home and not meet anyone or go to work or go to the doctor. No, that, you that's so stupid. It's ridiculously stupid. It costs £6 return to get into the closest city from where I live, which is not a very long journey at all. Uh, the buses generally some, half the time don't turn up. You have to sit in a pile of old man's wee when you get on them anyway uh, but that's it if you don't want to get that you want you 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 stay at home or you walk or you get you know if you're an old person you 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 are completely stuck and it, it, this idea that that somehow the 
mass privatisation of buses, particularly outside London. And I do recognise it is different, but the idea that buses are generally going really well and people love using them just because some people use the buses services that are available is complete, complete nonsense, isn't it? It is, yeah. And there's this this phrase, integrated transport, which has been around for a long, long time. <laughs> yes, Minister. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it just doesn't exist. So that's the idea that, you know, um, if you take a train to a place, maybe there will be bus buses scheduled to take you to the next place to pick people up off that train and, and all the rest of it. And they will go to places where you can then hire a bike. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I was up in Aberdeen earlier in the year trying to get to a very popular bit of the of the National Kengons National Park to go climbing. And it took me about three days or £100 in a taxi. It's a, it's a nonsense. It is. Um, and, and this speech from, from Baroness Kramer, I do recommend people have a look at it. We'll put it on our Twitter feed and Facebook page and all that stuff. Um, is the most crawling, mawkish, subservient, market-loving, bus company fellating <laughs> bit of nonsense I have Ooh. ever, ever... Ooh, bus company fellating. Yes, indeed. It is Valentine's Day, after all. <laughs> you, you said that. So here's what she said in her speech. Two-thirds of blind passengers have missed their stop in the last six months. Uh, for any passenger, that's inconvenient. Do you know what she did about it? I do know what she did about it. What did I do she know do what she did about it. And I'm going to steal this one from you because I want it so bad. Yeah. So, so, you know, big problem. Identified problem. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's using the full weight of the state. She's she's cranking government machinery into, into arm to fix this problem by, and I quote, So in October, I launched a competition for 14 to 18-year-olds to design an alternative. <laughs> you... You did what? <laughs> you asked some school children to draw up something that might possibly be nicer than blind people missing their stop. You are having a laugh. <laughs> so she said that passengers should get an even better deal, quote, than they've got now. Well, the Campaign for Better Transport, you, you pointed this out, didn't you? Since 2010, 70% of local authorities have made cuts to bus services and 2,000 bus routes have been cut or withdrawn, um, which of course means people uh, have to get, you know, squeeze onto more buses, which of course means the bus companies make more money per bus, which of course means people must be happy with the buses, which of course means the bus industry is doing fantastically. Right, so we're going to get to the stage where there's just one bus in the country and it costs £2 million to get a ride on that bus but someone somewhere is going to have to get to the doctors, so they're going to have to pay £2 million and therefore on Microsoft Excel it's going to say, look, our customers are paying, willing to pay £2 million. Therefore, our customers are satisfied. Buses are fixed. Everything's fine. What a load of nonsense. So this is the bit of the show where we look at a thing that's going on in the news or has been going on this week or has been going on for a while and we can't avoid talking about it anymore. And we try and unpick it a wee bit and see if we can make sense of it all. Uh, and what we're going to look at this week is what you're going off to do later, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, as soon as we finish recording this, I am off to the Divest London uh, rally in City Hall. The, you know, the big building that looks a little bit like a testicle. Um, that Boris Johnson lives in. I don't think he lives there, but he occasionally turns up and does a bit of work there. It looks like the testicle that Boris Johnson lives in. That's what I said, and I stand by it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day yeah. once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, so you're going off, and what's happening there? What's going on? Well, it's a big rally. There's, a, In fact, yesterday and today, um, there has been what's called the Global 
days of divestment um, across across the world, as, as the name suggests. Uh, there is a huge campaign, growing campaign, that is looking at getting money out of fossil fuels. Um, I think it's a brilliant campaign, actually. It's sort of spearheaded by uh, 350.org, which is Bill McKibben's outfit, mainly America-based, but growing across the world. And it's sort of taking as its starting point... You know, we we have to we have to start using fossil fuels, and we've talked about that before. But there's a huge amount of money, pension pots, investments, um, endowments, all tied up in this stuff, and to an extent, keeping it going. And so, these institutions, which you know, a lot of people are attached to, if if your company has any investments, um, or if you have a pension fund, there's there's a good chance it will be in fossil fuels and so we have power we have agency to say we won't stand for this and we'll take it out and so today is a big day of global divestment it's called which is divestment. the opposite to investment i guess yeah it's not a welsh clothing retailer it's uh, it's a very <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful way of uh getting people in touch with because ultimately all of the all of the shares all of the money that any company has anywhere ultimately is people's isn't it like you have yeah. to trace it back through yeah very yeah. long chains of investment and and people fiddling with it and making investments on the back of those investments and whatnot but yeah. you know all the money that pension funds spend is ours it's our money yeah that's yeah. right so the idea is that you get enough people to pull their money out of shell and bp and various other fossil fuel companies and that after a while what's supposed to happen well i mean this is the problem isn't it do they care do they actually care? Do do BP and Shell, who didn't Shell this week announce something like three three hundred billion in profits or something? Don't have the figure in front of me. I'm sure that's perhaps that's an awful lot of money, isn't it? They make a lot of money. That seems that seems a lot, but they do make an awful lot of money. They also this week said that they uh, that they were very serious about climate change, and I think you know I've got some doubts. I, I don't. I think it's fantastic. Let me be clear. I think the divestment stuff is absolutely fantastic. It's a great way for getting people to take action, for getting the financial industry to start to pay attention to the to the ethical, long term, sustainable. Ah, oh, I said sustainable. Uh, we're going to get a klaxon out for that. But it, but it gets noticed, you know, and I think companies like Shell and BP are beginning to get slightly defensive and saying, no, wait a minute, we're good guys, really. The world needs energy, uh, but we don't want climate change, so let's all work together and hold hands and be nice. I'm not convinced that uh, pulling your money out of Shell yet is really going to make a difference because oil is phenomenally profitable even you know we talked about the oil price last week the oil price is down but still it is a very very profitable thing to do for some very very large companies and most pension funds in the world have got a bit of shell in them one of the things i do love about this campaign though is it's so um it's so understandable despite me failing to explain it very clearly um and it is it is really engaging people in the idea that um, they have agency over this stuff, that mm. they have power. Because that's been one of the huge problems for tackling climate change at a sort of personal level. It's like, what can I do? You know, sure, I can do my recycling. Yeah. I can try not to um, take the car on short journeys, etc. But it all seems so piffling when you've got Shell doing all this stuff. And then it's like suddenly like, actually, every single one of us who has a job probably has some sort of stake in Shell inadvertently and we can kick off about that and we can say we're not going to put up with this and look at the you know even if you don't have a job and you're a student 
It's one of the amazing things about this campaign is the extent to which it's just kicked off in campuses across America, increasingly in the UK and Europe, where students are saying, hang on, this university, this kind of venerable institution, a seat of learning, is is doing highly irresponsible things by putting money into fossil fuels and we're not going to put up with it. And and it's it's a great way to get, get student campaigning on climate change up and running. And it's working. You know, Glasgow, I know, announced that they were going to divest all their their funds from fossil fuels and I think others have done it. And it, it's it's incredibly powerful and um and empowering for, for students as well. Because I think some companies you're just gonna have to force them to change. I mean that's a company there was that thing, Jonathan Porritt, who you know, a very arch venerable uh environmentalist chap uh, wrote this piece the other day when he basically said, look, I've spent 10 years inside fossil fuel companies trying to convince them that the future is renewable and that they should stop you know, causing climate change and stuff. And he said, I've given up. There's no point. You know, The, the profit motive is too big. The, the, the power of their business model of getting oil essentially for free out of the ground and then selling it is just too powerful. So give up on them. And I do think that's where something like divestment really comes in, that it's people saying, this, this business model that you've got, we want no part of. We've also seen... Uh, in recent weeks, this connection between oil and um, the arts as well, which is another sort of angle on this, the extent to which art institutions are sponsored by oil companies and they've always maintained that they need that money to to do what they do. Uh, but this week it was revealed that Tate, the, the big sort of museum group, um, are receiving about £224,000 a year from BP, which represent about 0.5% of their budget. And this is great work by the organisation Platform, who have been campaigning on it for years. And it's surprisingly low. Mm. I think it's surprisingly low, because they've been kicking off for ages about how they shouldn't have to reveal how much they get from BP. And the assumption was it's such a massive amount, amount that they couldn't possibly survive without them. And, you know, therefore, OK, BP, not the greatest company in the world, doing kind of nasty climate change stuff but if we didn't have their money we would collapse and it's not true it's it's clearly uh, there's a there is some sort of deeper psychological emotional attachment between the two institutions because you can get by without 0.5 percent of your budget and uh, this i think the bigger picture of what's going on here is that all of the divestment stuff, all of these types of movements by what platform are doing is about making people realise that fossil fuels are a toxic thing. Toxic not just in the sense of, you know, you drink fossil fuels and you will die, but in the <laughs> sense of uh, turning it into something in the long run that society abhors investing in. And that's the only way, really. If politicians need that in order to act. Um, the finance markets need to believe that in order to stop financing it. And that's what that's the real, real power of the divestment stuff for me. So each week we see who has been a rotter, who has been a swine, who has been an awful, awful human being in the world of the environment and climate change and who has made us angry. And somebody, Dave, has got your wick, right? Yeah, this is a guy called Rick Berman, not the producer of Star Trek. Sorry, Star Trek fans. But a guy who is hes a PR man in America who represents the oil industry, basically. And you and I, uh, Ollie, we did a pilot episode of this podcast, didn't we? Which we played to a couple mm. of friends to ask them how awful it was. Uh, and they said it. They said it's awful, don't bother. And so hopefully no, no, one, will ever, no one will ever hear that podcast, plus for legal reasons also but he was our very very first rotten b 
beastly, terrible person, Mr. Rick Berman, because at the end of last year, he got caught recording. Uh, he, he was recorded telling a room full of oil industry people that if they want to stop these wicked environmentalists hacking into their business models, they needed to start playing dirty and using underhand mm. sneaky tactics. Um, so he brought out this cutesy video which has uh, got loads of plays on YouTube, and it is a guy who decides to break up with fossil fuels, you know. Um, he doesn't want fossil fuels. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's a, t- it's a touching story. It's, lo- yeah, it's lovely. You know, he just, everyone told him that fossil fuels was bad for him, so he breaks up with fossil fuels. And then what he discovers in his little cutesy house is none of his none of his kitchen appliances work anymore because there's no fossil fuels, and he can't watch TV or play computer games because there's no fossil fuels, and he can't uh, do anything at all in his house, and his entire life ends up him standing in a complete empty space because fossil fuels are actually absolutely integral to him and then valentine's message being uh you should love fossil fuels and not break up with them it's nice isn't mm, it mm. it's like the milk tray adverts mm. just as heartwarming and it's i mean it's easy for us to say this is ridiculous and silly um and it's wrong and no one should take it seriously but it is is well done it's a, a well-produced video its framing is quite impressive um and you would expect that a lot of people will look at that and think i don't want these things to disappear and yeah all right i do understand that fossil fuels are not brilliant but i also understand that i want to keep warm and i want to watch telly and i want to speak to my friends so you know if if these people are actually advocating an end to energy which is how he's framing the video you know uh, it's yeah it's powerful it's a powerful video and there will be people who who believe it obviously it fails to mention that climate change is bad, bad. and is happening and is totally um, fixing climate change is totally incompatible with continued continuing to rely on fossil fuels mm. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. So we've discussed all the things which are depressing, but we're going to have a look, as we do each week, at what is perking us up. Hmm. What have you got, Dave? Right, prepare to be perked. So uh, what has happened is David Cameron and Nick Clegg and Ed Miliband, who at the time of recording this podcast are all leaders of their respective political parties, um, have... (laughs) Do you know something I don't? (laughs) Nothing is going to surprise me about the next few months in UK politics. Absolutely nothing. Um, But that's all I know. They've all come out and they've signed a joint pledge committing to uh, cross-party agreement on climate change, no matter what happens with who wins the next election. So they will... They've re committed to keeping temperatures to two degrees they've recommitted to uh following the uk's climate act which is a legally binding thing that they can't have to do anyway to be honest to cut emissions by 80 percent by 2050 um and you know as a bit of political grandstanding it's 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 hard to find fault with it really is it yeah i think so i mean the, the, the most important thing i thought was the bit where they said they will they will um, bring an end to unabated coal. Oh, yes. So that's coal which isn't um, abated, fitted with, with abated. <laughs> yeah. So attempts to to capture the carbon that's that's produced from those coal plants, um, and that's quite a big deal because they've they've managed to skillfully avoid doing that in various bits of legislation over the last couple of years, despite the pressing need to get old coal off the system. I, I'd like to see the detail behind that because mm. there are still mechanisms to support keeping aging coal plants running along uh, in case the, the lights go out, which they're not going to go out 
obviously, but people say they do. Um, but no, let's let's stay positive. I think it's it's a good thing. The cross party working across party lines is an important principle. The idea that climate change and fixing it is bigger than whether you're red, yellow, or blue. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think what what slightly bothers me is that this is it. You know, so they can all legitimately go into the election campaign and say, well, we've done our green thing. You know, we, we signed that pledge to be green and to be grown up about it. And there's a lot more that can be done. But, you know, I think this is for them. This is their this is their political capital spent on the environment. And we ain't going to get any more. No, um, but you did hint at something there, didn't you? That actually, oh, I'm going to I can never do it. I can't remain cheerful during the course of this segment because, you know, just this week we've seen that the government's export credit agency, which is a, a bit of the government that guarantees exp- UK exporters, basically protects them against any losses to encourage them to go and seek business around the world, that it gave over a billion pounds to dirty energy and just 3.6 million to clean energy. Um, and we, you know, we've talked before about what leadership actually means. And, and, and just standing up and saying climate change is important, that matters, you know. And we've had a year of various politicians from Obama to Modi in India to Xi in China, you know, a year of politicians saying good, positive stuff so far on climate change, which is great. But we still need to see the actual stuff changing in policy. And that's the bit where, you know, every week we're on this podcast picking out reasons where it isn't and picking out bits of, of actually what's going on in practice. So I am, you know, I am, I am, I am upbeat and cheerful and positive I suppose for the fact that yeah, yeah, for the fact that the leaders have said this stuff, but until policy actually starts to shift and until we get proper global deals on climate change, uh, my jury is still definitely out. Prediction time. So every week we have a little look in our crystal balls and see what we think is going to happen next week, and we also have a little look back and see whether our predictions were right. Um, I made a prediction last week, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. It was uh, it was mm. not a very good one, was it? You were talking about the green surge, which was the interest in the Green Party and the fact that they'd been ticking along, racking up members, and no one seemed to have really noticed. And you thought that the week we've just had would have been the one where everyone went to town on them and started uncovering secret tofu wrestling parties and digging up monsters from their past uh, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Did that happen? Well, not that I'd noticed. No. Not that I've noticed. Um, maybe I was a bit hasty. Can I can I predict that it will happen at some point in the next four months? Well, you can if you want, but you don't get any points for it. So it's still uh, it's, mm. it's two one to me now. I.e., uh, mm. t- you've made two predictions that have been rubbish, and I've made one prediction that's been rubbish. And it's my. I think we should. I think we should reset the scoring system. I don't like the scoring system. I think you should get a point if your prediction comes right, and no points if it doesn't. So I think we should maintain it nil nil. All right, okay. Well, then let's. I'll have a go. What I think is going to happen this week um, is I think the fossil fuel companies are going to continue to be on the uh, defensive. Is that the right word? I think what you're going to see. So Shell at the end of last week came out and said loads of stuff about, hey, we're nice. We want to be part of climate change solutions and don't be mean to us. And I think what you're going to see this week is at least one more major fossil fuel company. I don't necessarily know which one. I don't know what country they'll be in, but they'll be major, big, hefty fossil fuel companies, particularly given all the stuff going on this weekend about divestment that you're going off to. I think next week they're going to come out and they're going to say, yeah, us too. We're also part of the solution. Please don't close us down either 
Um, and I think there's going to be, there might even be more than one. I think it's going to be a week of the fossil fuel industry desperately attempting to at least publicly present itself as nice, flappy, uh, pink unicorns riding on rainbows on the back of which we can all sail off to a promised land of uh, environmental happiness. But uh, that doesn't mean, of course, that all the stuff with the secret videos and the underhand tactics and the whatnot is actually going to stop either. But anyway, that's my prediction. Uh, More fossil fuel companies coming out and saying we're nice. Okay, so that is pretty much it for this week. Uh, uh, well, not we quite. Have some ex- not quite, Ollie. Oh. No, I hate to interrupt you, but we had some correspondence. Oh, yes. We had some correspondence. <laughs> we had our first email to sustainababble at yahoo.com from an anonymous person who asked to be kept anonymous mm. anyway, who pointed out that the, the, the innovation in the first uh, episode of Sustainababble, whereby we would award each other a Sustainababble klaxon for saying something totally egregious and in keeping with the eco guff that we ourselves are trying to expose, uh, that we missed an opportunity to do that. Should we, um, should we listen to what the anonymous person pointed out? If we must. Oh, I totally agree. It's really exciting. It's happening in China as well. It's happening in India. It's happening in the States. Right. You know, the real powerhouses of the, of the world economy and Germany. Powerhouses of the world economy. Bloody hell, how did we miss that? You really do deserve a klaxon for that. Here, have this. Well, I think that's all very unfair and done in a completely uh, mean-spirited way. Uh, and I will, I will hunt down the anonymous person who sent in that email, and I will give them a klaxon of their own. Except it will be a real klaxon; it will be right in their old ear hole. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, anonymous person. And to anyone else who wants to get in touch with us to point out things we've said wrong or gross hypocrisy on our part, of which I'm sure you can find plentiful examples, do so at sustainababble at yahoo.com or Twitter at The Babble Wagon. Uh, we have a Facebook page now. You can get in, uh, you can find that. You just find it on Facebook, don't you? Talking of tweets and twitting, uh, there has been quite a lot of tweeting going on in this podcast because there is a bird outside my window. And I don't know what that bird's beef is, but it is making an awful lot of racket and about every second you hear a nice piercing high decibel tweet so i'm sorry if that's made it into every single element of this podcast um and well done if you're still listening thank you very much listeners for listening that you you know how to find this podcast because you found it we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud and at the website sustainable.fish thank you as always to the highfalutinly brilliant dickie moore for our theme music and for the little bits of music that you hear throughout this podcast as well Thank you very much, Dickie. We love you. All right, that is just about it for this week. We will see you next week, by which time our Valentine's Day postcards will have hopefully died down and I will have divested all of the fossil fuels. Very good. Have a good week, Alt. You too. Bye. Bye.